So you wanna sell your bonds, but you're not sure how to do it and where to put that money afterwards. Well, this video talks about how best to do it. So look no further. Hi guys, my name's James Corsier and welcome to the Money Paradox podcast, where we're all about helping you become financially free so that you can focus on what you really want from life. Today's video is all about bonds and how best to sell them. But wait, first thing you need to think about is do you really wanna sell your bonds? I just wanna make sure this video is all about how to do it, how best to do it, but we wanna be sure we're doing it because this is a big move. Bonds traditionally is done as a way to invest, but in a relatively safe way. So to sell them on the face of it could be seen to be risky. Also, it effectively is a changing the way in which we are constructing our asset allocation. Now, that's just a fancy way of saying the split of what we're putting our money in between different types of assets, stocks, bonds, gold, commodities, and so on. If we sell bonds, we change that allocation. So the first thing is, why did you buy those bonds in the first place? Was it part of a specific portfolio? Well, within a portfolio, there are reasons for having each asset and the exact allocation for that asset. Now, if we sell one of those assets, we are changing that portfolio. It is no longer that original portfolio. So think about the reasons you went into that portfolio approach in the first place. If your reasons have changed, or the reasons you had originally, the assumptions you used have now changed. Something has changed for that to no longer apply. Well, that would be a good reason. But if you're just doing it because you're hearing other people doing it or somebody very smart you think is doing it and you think, well, if they're doing it, I gotta do it too. You shouldn't do it just for that reason. You wanna be putting the full facts together. When we invest, we're investing based on our own situation. The way I invest, the way you invest, the way somebody else invests, all for different reasons. I wish there was this golden formula that everybody could follow and would get great results. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Everybody has a different risk appetite, a different return desire, a different time frame involved, a different life situation, different goals. All of these things impact what is the right investment approach for us. So we wanna make sure when we change how we invest, we're changing it for the right reasons. And when we do change it, then we want to establish a new set of rules and principles for going forward. So if I had an old set of principles and they no longer apply, great, okay, let's change them. But when we change them, let's establish this new set of rules. But as part of that, we say, okay, under what circumstances would I change these in the future? And this is really important because one of the big problems for a lot of people is they change how they invest so often. And it's that change is one of the common issues with human psychology that causes a lot of people to underperform against the market. Many studies have shown that people investing in 
the very markets out there get on average far lower returns than the markets they're invested and one of the main reasons is they're constantly moving about the buying the selling they're trying to pick a certain thing time market whatever and all of this movement causes transaction costs it also causes them to often buy high and sell low so guys when you change investment principles be clear what those new principles are and under what circumstances they change the last thing i'll say on the are you sure is do you know what bonds are now on the face of it you may and very simply it is an easy to understand thing what it is is a loan you loan somebody something they give you a bond in exchange but there are many types of bonds short term versus long term so short-term bond is where the duration is short, could be even 30 days, six months, a year. But you can also have really long-term bonds like 20 years. And the way these bonds operate, the kinds of returns, the kind of risks associated are very different. So when you say, I want to sell bonds, what do you mean? Is it all of your bonds or is it a certain type of bond? In addition, corporate versus government bonds. So government bonds is where you lend money to the government. Corporate bonds is where you're lending money to companies. And again, the nature of those bonds are very different. Yes, they're both a loan, but a loan to a company is a very different proposition than loaning money to a government. Also, loaning money to say the US or the UK versus lending money to Colombia or Venezuela could be a very different proposition which is more likely for you to get your money back and therefore what kind of returns and risks are associated with those so guys when you're thinking about bonds think about all of the different types when you hear people talk about bonds think about what type of bonds are they talking about and when you are thinking about whether you want to buy or sell them what type of bonds are you talking about okay all right enough of a lecture on are you sure because that is really important but let's say you are yes I want to sell my bonds. What's the next thing we want to think about? How do we sell them? And there's two kind of ways we can do it. We can either just sell them. So we've got all our bonds or we just sell them and then we buy into something else. But if we want to reduce our allocation of bonds, right, into something else. Now, one way is obviously sell them and buy into something else. But what we could do is we could just buy more of other things. And by doing that, our allocation increases in those other things. So let's say we have bonds and stocks. If we have 50% of each, okay, let's say 50,000 pounds of bonds, 50,000 pounds of stocks. If we buy another 50,000 pounds of stocks, then what happens is we get more stocks and our allocation of stocks go to 67% and our bond allocation goes to 33%. So effectively, the allocation increases to stocks and diminishes in bonds. So that's a kind of a, a more, not cautious, but a more, uh, a less aggressive way to move out of bonds. Another way is just simply to sell it. But if we do sell it, we also want to think about tax. Yes, that really exciting, sexy subject that everybody loves to talk about. And in bonds, it is no less sexy. It is super sexy. And that is because if you do it in the right way, you can make much more money. And if you do it in the wrong way, you can make or you can lose a lot more money. Tax can be a friend or it can be an enemy. So the first thing to think about is 
where is those bonds sitting? Because if it is sitting protected from tax, so if it's in, say for example, in the UK, we have something called an ISA, which is like a nice tax-free wrapper, or if it's in your pension, again, it's protected from tax, then when you go to sell those things, then you're not gonna have a tax charge on doing it. So it's pretty safe. You don't need to worry too much about the tax. But if you have invested in those things outside of a tax-free wrapper, like you just have a normal investment account uh, outside of any kind of tax benefit, when you go to sell it, then you can have a tax charge. Now in the UK, for example, we call it a capital gain or a chargeable gain. And this effectively means that, let's say you buy bonds at 10,000 pounds and it goes up to 20,000 pounds. You've made a gain of 10,000 pounds. Well, on that gain, if you sell it, on the face of it, you'd have something called capital gains. You pay tax on that improvement in value. But often we have, in a lot of jurisdictions, a lot of com countries, it varies. But for example, in the UK, you can have up to, I believe it's 12,300 for this current tax year, 2021 to 2022, up to 12,300 pounds tax free. So that effectively means that if you've made a gain that is less than 12,300 and you sell that investment, then it's tax free. Awesome, love that. So, what we can do is, if we have more of a gain than that, we could sell up to 12,000 each year, and that would allow us to sell the full amount tax-free by spreading it each year. So when we sell something, it can have an impact on how much tax we pay. Also, what income you're making and gains you're making elsewhere can also have an impact. So if you've got a complicated situation, making money in different ways and so on, then the best way to understand that is through an accountant or a tax advisor. I know that sounds like complicated and money to spend, but if you're complicated situation, then it is money well spent. I mean, I have an accountant, it's one of the best people I know and it saves me a huge amount of money. Can't recommend it enough. Last thing I'll say on tax is if you've had a loss on that thing, so let's say you have 20,000 pounds of bonds and it's gone down to 10,000. You've made a loss of 10,000. Again, it changes, it depends each country. But certainly in the UK, what you can do is you can, if you sell it at 10,000, you've crystallized, what they say, crystallized, a loss of 10,000 pounds. So if you made a gain elsewhere of 10,000 pounds, then overall net it's zero and you don't pay any tax. Now, the great thing with a loss, and again, certainly for the UK, is that you can carry forward those losses into the future indefinitely and then take them off future gains. So if you make a 10,000 pound gain in the next year, then you can apply that loss and then um, net that gain away and pay no tax, so great. So thinking about how much of a gain uh, is really important, whether it's a loss or a gain, all of these things have a big, big impact. So the next thing to think about is if we sell bonds, what is our, our alternative going to be? Okay, so we've got 10,000 pounds worth of bonds and we sell it, now we've got 10,000 pounds of cash. Do we wanna keep it in cash? 
or do we want to invest in something else? If we keep it in cash, okay, that's nice and secure and we uh, avoid losing money by an investment going down, but actually you're guaranteed to lose money through inflation. Now, inflation is escalating at the moment. There are many concerns that it is going to run away into particularly horrible numbers. Who knows what's going to happen? But inflation will always exist. It's the way in which capital structures are set up. If you live in a Western economy, you're going to have inflation. And so that means that your money is going to go down in value over time. So how do we protect against that? Well, we invest in the markets, we invest in assets, but we want to protect against that and we want to diversify into different areas. We want to understand what we're investing in, navigate through those risks and mitigate them so we protect that risk of a drop in value. Now, Ray Dalio talks a lot about the concerns around investing in bonds and what can be the kinds of alternatives to think about given one may not want to be in bonds. Now, I talked about this specific topic in video 93, there'll be a link here, but also in the show notes. And you can also check out on my videos, they're all referenced, just find the one that's 93. I think it was two videos ago, and I go into all of this detail, why Ray Dalio talks about it, and all of the various options he considers. But I'll also go into the various other things you could consider within this video, and I'll also talk about how I invest so you've got an example from which to work off and think about, and hopefully that will inspire you to make your own decisions. So firstly, what we could do is, okay, we wanna sell out bonds, but we could buy into what we call short-term bonds. Now, often when people say cash in the investment world, what they mean is 30-day bonds. And by doing that is you're just lending money on a 30-day term to the government. And the reason why people talk about that is as a way to make a small little return while still being able to access that cash very quickly. But when we invest in bonds that are really short, then the risk around sorry, the risk around yields on bonds going up in the future is much less risky for short-term bonds. And that's because if people are concerned that in a year's time, say, or in five years' time, that the yield on bonds are gonna go up, the interest rates go up, that will devalue those bonds. But if your bond is shorter than that, then that the value of those bonds shouldn't go down because they will have ended by the time those interest rates will have gone up and that protects you. So the shorter the term of the bond, the less risky they are. So if you're investing in bonds to protect your money to reduce the risk or the volatility of your investment, then shorter term bonds can be a great way to move into while, so what, staying safe, so staying in bonds, but moving away from the more riskier longer term bonds. Next thing you could do is you could invest in the stock market. The stock market historically has produced exceptional returns, kind of 10% plus, but it's very volatile. And the only way you can start to get reliably good returns is by investing in kind of 15 years plus. So it is a better way to get stronger returns, but that volatility can cause risk in and of itself if you aren't patient and don't have those kind of time periods in which to exist in. 
Next, we could invest in emerging markets. So emerging markets are considered to be riskier than newer economies, and so they have a high potential for returns, but they're less understood, uh, there's more kind of dangers in these environments, and so that brings with it potential higher returns, but more risk. So if we invest in bonds in those areas, we can get better returns, but if we invest in the stock market in those areas, we can do better. But again, the kind of movement within those economies, uh, within those markets can be bigger. Gold, again, can be another way to invest in that it's a storehold of wealth. And so in times when interest rates are worried to go up in the future, gold often does well when people are nervous and people see dangers on the horizon because it's considered to do well in those environments. So again, another good thing to invest in. So gold and commodities can be great things to invest in because they often move in different directions to bonds and the stock market. So when we diversify into these areas, it can cause less movements overall in our portfolio, but they can move up and down a lot. So we wanna be careful not to invest too much in these areas. Otherwise, that specific section of that portfolio could go down considerably in a very quick period of time. Next, crypto. Crypto is the new kid on the block. Yes, it's been around for a number of years, but increasingly it's becoming more mainstream and the return potential can be very large, but also the risk potential is very large. The swings are even bigger than in gold and commodities, but it can be a great way for asymmetrical risk return. There is a chance we could lose all our money in this area, but there's equally another chance that we could get very outsized returns, big multiples of our investment. So it's a great way to invest in another asset that could correlate differently to those others, but also it allows us to invest in something where there is limited downsize, losing the money we put in, but potentially huge multiples of what we put in. But we wanna be careful. We don't wanna put everything in there or a large amount because of its risk to drop to very low figures. Then we have real estate. Real estate is great in that it is a good protection on inflation. Rents go up often in line with inflation and so do property prices. So if we're worried about inflation, then property can be a great asset. But we wanna be careful because if interest rates go up, then our mortgage payments go up on those properties. So Real estate can be an amazing area to invest in, but we really wanna know this area. There's a lot of regulation, tax things to think about. It's a market with great opportunity, but it's also a market in which we wanna understand well before we go into it. So it's not something to go into lightly. And then finally, an emergency fund. One of the reasons why we invest in bonds is because we feel it can protect our money. It is lower risk. So if we're coming out of bonds and into riskier areas, then having a bigger emergency fund allows us money to move into certain things if things go down even more. So it's an opportunity in which to invest in the future. But also if we run into issues, we get ill, we lose our job, we have that money to protect ourselves if times get tough. 
Okay, so the next thing to think about is we've gone through all of the various things we could invest in and there's plenty more, but the next question is, well, how much do we put in each of these areas, right? Because the allocation is almost more important than the assets that we actually invest in. Because by putting in 90% into one asset versus 10%, it's gonna have a whole world of a difference on the overall returns we're gonna get from our money. So firstly to think about is only you can decide. You can't just copy someone else's investment approach, unfortunately. And that is because each person's situation is different. So think about your risk tolerance, your return desires, the kind of timeframes you're dealing with, your goals, the things that you wanna do from your life, all of this should impact how you invest personally. But the kinds of things to think about are, one, how long a period of time do you wanna be investing in? If it's a very long period of time, then you can invest in things that are gonna move up and down over medium periods of time because you can weather those storms. But if it's a shorter period of time, then the risk of say a drop over a decade isn't something that you wanna take on necessarily. The second thing is you wanna think about how big a size um, of that particular asset is there. So for example, if you're investing in the stock market, investing into say the US stock market is massive, okay? Whereas investing in say the Chinese stock market is very, very small. So even if you say think that China's gonna do well in the future, then the fact that it's much smaller means that it has a much bigger propensity to move up and down. It's more risky an environment. So unless we really know a lot about these particular environments, a great way to think about it or a great way to potentially allocate is by investing more into bigger sized markets. And then finally, investing based on the level of risk or ability for it to move up and down. So gold and commodities, for example, move up and down more than say the stock market. So that could be a good reason to invest more in the stock market versus gold and commodities. Equally, crypto at the moment is moving up and down a huge amount. So again, another reason to say, invest less in something like crypto if you're going to invest in it versus something like stocks or even gold and commodities. But you say, James, tell me some specific numbers. What allocations? Well, look, I can't make that decision for you, but a good way to start, a good place to start, is that if you've got a nice long time horizon, you're still fairly early on in your life, then, you know, we're talking kind of 15, 20 years plus, then the stock market is a great base to have because it is traditionally done very well. In fact, it's one of the best performing asset classes out there. And so if you've got the time horizon to deal with, then you can make great returns and weather those storms. But we can supplement that with other asset classes that don't correlate with the stock market. Gold, commodities, and crypto could be seen as examples of that, but these areas are considered more risky. And so a good proxy to think about is no more than 10% of your overall portfolio in any one of these areas. Even within the stock market, if you're investing in something very specific like China or a particular industry, then again, a 10% max 
is a great place to think about it. So you can still be specific about investing or making certain plays in the market, but you're limiting the amount of kind of downside potential by doing that. Last thing I'll say is whatever your allocation is, when you set it, a really important powerful tool is to stick to it and rebalance it. Sticking to it allows us to not just keep moving and changing it and being caught up in whatever the trends are at the time and that then avoids us buying high and selling low and then the rebalancing of it actually encourages the opposite buying low selling high because if one area does poorly versus another thing that we have well the allocation of the thing that's done poor has gone down versus the thing that's done well and that by rebalancing it by forcing ourselves to sell or buy more sorry to buy more of the thing that's done poorly and less of the thing that's done badly to get the balance back to where it was before forces us to buy in at the thing that's gone to a low price and sell the thing that's gone up to a high price. So a really great strategy to apply. Okay guys, last thing I'm gonna cover off is how I invest, okay? I've had a lot of people ask me about this so, you know, for full transparency and honesty, I thought I'd provide it to you. Now, a big warning. Do not just follow how I invest. The reason I invest in this particular way is because it matches what's going on for me. Your situation is gonna be very different to mine. And so therefore, how you invest will be different for you. But hopefully this gives you food for thought an inspiration for making your own investment decisions. So here it is guys. Firstly, I always have a nice decent pot of money that's not invested in anything. And this is my emergency fund. This helps me sleep at night. Because I have this money just in cash in my bank. Whenever I go on my bank accounts, I see the money, I'm like, yeah, I've got money. I feel good, I feel like I've got cash, I feel like I can spend money if I want to spend it. So even if all the markets are going crazy and everything I own is going down in value, I still have that money in the bank so I can still spend and do what I want and not worry, okay? Now, I don't have a crazy big emergency fund, but I, just, I have a nice healthy amount, okay? So what I would really encourage you to do that, and the number's gonna be different for each person, but the number should be something that it feels weighty, feels like, yeah, that's a nice amount of money, but nothing too crazy. Because remember, if we have too much in there, it's just gonna erode from inflation. The second thing I invest in is property. Yes, that's right, I'm sure you know, because so many of my, so many of my videos are on property. Now, I view property as my attack allocation of investing okay i look at investing like attack and defense my attack is where i am able to produce really strong returns really understand that market that's where i put more eggs in that basket and that is a safe way to invest so long as i really understand that nest i know what the risks are the issues i mitigate them i'm really spending time to get really great returns but also protect myself against potential problems in the future. And that has meant I've done really great from property. I've got exceptional returns and many of the risks and issues that I've seen play out in the market and affect other people have either affected me very little or just not affected me. So property doesn't need to be your 
attack category, you can pick another category. It could be like a business, investing money in a particular business that you own or somebody else's business, for example. And again, you don't need to have an attack category. You could have all of your investing in just a defense, very safe, diversified portfolio, and you could focus your time just making money generally. That's also an option. But this attack category is a great way to really turbocharge the returns you're getting from your investment portfolio. And then lastly, I also have a nice diversified portfolio. So I've got my emergency fund, cash in the bank. I've got a load of properties that's like my main vehicle that I work on and producing great returns from. But I also have a pot of money that's invested in different things, in what I call the market. Things that are very easy to buy and sell. And the way I've done it is I have the majority of the money in the stock market. 70% of my portfolio is in the stock market. And that's because that produces exceptional returns. Historically, it has been the best asset class. But the problem with the stock market is it goes up and down. It can crash like 50% in a year. But it's all good because I don't need this money over the next year. I could, I'm young, so I can let that play out for decades and decades and decades. For example, in, the, in the, my pension, it's a 100% stock market because I'm not going to touch that for at least 20 years. So I can invest in the stock market because I have the patience and the timeframes in which to weather the storms within it. Outside of that, I also invest in three specific areas, gold, commodities, and crypto. That's because gold and commodities are very poorly or inversely correlated to the stock market. So it allows me to weather some potential drops in the stock market, but also by rebalancing between gold commodities and the stock market, I can actually improve my returns because, because these areas go up and down in different environments, they often move up and down in different ways. So if say gold goes up and stock market goes down, I can sell some of the gold, move into stocks, and it gives me a better ability to sell low and buy high more often. And then lastly, crypto. The reason I invest in crypto is asymmetrical risk reward. Crypto for me, I love it. It's a really exciting opportunity, but it comes with a whole lot of risk. So I really limit how much I invest in it. The amount of money I've got in crypto is, in, is not enough for me to lose it all and it'd be fine. It's not gonna fundamentally affect my financial future but it's enough money for it to be significant so that if it goes up, it's really gonna make a difference to my financial future. So for, if you think about it, like if crypto goes from 10,000 to zero, you've lost 10,000, that's the maximum you can lose. But if crypto goes from 10,000 to say 100,000, well then you've made a whole load more money. So that's why I like crypto, but be careful with crypto, guys. Please don't invest too big a percentage of your overall portfolio. It's super dangerous, and I see so many people do it. And then even within crypto, I invest in different uh, uh, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, of course, but others that I think are good plays as well. Okay, and finally, within the stock market, I invest in different areas of the stock market. Now, again, Part of this is because I have specific views 
on where I think things are going to go in the stock market, but that's also protected against my general view of certain risks and a whole load of other things, okay? So this really isn't gospel, but hopefully it gives you an insight into the way I think, and it can give you a way to think for yourself about how you want to invest in the stock market. Now, the first thing, my biggest allocation is in value stocks. And this is a simply stocks that are considered to be better value. And that's where the price of those stocks relative to what those companies are producing in terms of returns, the amount of like revenue that's coming off the capital invested, all of these types of things, they're considered to be cheap. Okay. Now, the reason I've done that is because growth stocks, which are effectively the opposite, have done extremely well over the last few years. And value stocks tend to do well or better than growth stocks when inflation is much higher or gets worse. Also, if the stock market does poorly, often value stocks can do better than other types of stocks. So effectively, me investing in this area is a way for me to still be invested in the stock market, but it protects me against some of the more obvious risks at the moment, inflation and a decline in the stock market itself. The next is I've invested in two specific countries within the world, the US and China. Now, the reason is because the US historically has produced the best returns of any country when it comes to the stock market. And that's because it is the world's leading power country, sorry, companies that are based in the US have a, a kind of essential benefit from that. It's got the leading currency. These companies are invested globally and it includes the vast majority of the best performing companies out there. So I still think that's going to continue. And so I have a weight towards those particular companies are invested in the, sorry, are listed in the US. I've also got quite a strong weight to try and this is higher than what I've been talking about earlier on in the video. So I don't necessarily recommend this, but the reason I've done it is because China's stock market has performed very poorly recently. And so I've overweighted into that area because I think it is relatively cheap. Ultimately, I think China will become the next leading power. It's inevitable. It's just a matter of when. It could be a matter of years or decades, but it will happen. And as that happens, then naturally, I believe the Chinese stock market is going to become increasingly more important and the returns from that market are going to be outsized relative to other areas. And then lastly, emerging markets and developed markets. I have quite a small weight within these areas. Emerging markets is essentially all, all countries that are kind of early on in their development, right? So China's obviously one, but Vietnam, Thailand, India, all of these countries. So it's diversifying me into a wider range of countries so that I'm diversifying across the world effectively. And the same with the developed markets. I'm investing in many different countries, not just US and China. Now, it might look like I have a very small weighting in both of these areas, and it's very weighted in China and the US, and in part that is true. But also the value stocks 
are across the whole world. So that gives me a protection across all of the world, not just in these other areas that I've showed you here. So guys, hopefully this gives you a bit of inspiration to make your own investment decisions, hopefully gives you a bit of insight into how I think and the way I make investment decisions. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, please do give me a like. It really helps with the algorithm and gets this video out to more people. Also, please do leave a comment. What do you think? What is your investment approach? Do you agree with mine or do you disagree? I'd love to get a discussion in the comment section. I'll be more than happy to reply to anyone. Lastly, if you wanna find out about future videos I produce on this particular topic or others all on the subject of helping you become financially free, hit the subscribe button and you'll find out those videos when they come out. That's all for me. I hope you have a great week and I'll see you soon.